You're listening to The Lit Lounge, a podcast for readers and book lovers. Join us, a group of friends, English teachers and bookworms, as we chat about our love of all things literary and share our reading habits. back to the lit lounge uh, for our third episode and yay we have reached over 100 listens Woo-hoo! yay, yay. Go um, which is very exciting uh, remember that we are available on all of your local uh, podcasting platforms including spotify and apple podcasts um, and today on our uh, on our episode we are joined by the lovely rachel hi and uh, the little percussive soundtrack that comes with her is uh, Rachel Junior, who's joining us. <laughs> I apologise in advance. <laughs> Lots of little baby noises. Yeah. Frequent your ears if you're listening in the, in the earphones. Um, so Rachel is the unofficial queen of lit here at Cesare's, where we all work, and is currently on maternity, looking after the lovely Rachel Junior. Um <laughs> And yeah, hi. Welcome hi. back. That is that is quite an introduction, Beth. That's a lot to live up to. <laughs> well, of course, it is Options Week this week, so uh, we are starting to get our students thinking about what they want to do and where they want to go um, in terms of their careers. And this is the point where we really want to kind of highlight um, the importance of lit and also the value it can bring to any subject um, in addition to its value as a subject in itself. And who better to discuss this than the Queen of Lit herself? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed the first um, the first episode. Um, but yeah, I think with with options coming up and with with literature, um, it's good to talk about other books that are not studied on the literature course because mm-hmm. yeah. I think you know students take lit because they love reading, hopefully, <laughs> um, because they love books. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you're actually studying it, then it can be kind of like a tendency to just read the books that you're studying for the course, you know, yeah, to think yeah. that, you know, you're you're kind of, I don't stuck know. Stuck. Yeah, you're stuck yeah. in just reading, you know, just reading Jane Eyre because it's on the course. And, you know, Jane Eyre is a fantastic book, but there's so much else you can read too. Yeah, sure. And that love can be fostered then that bit more, can't it? Yeah, Otherwise definitely. It, it becomes something that, you know, reading becomes something that is just, all about deadlines and mm. overanalyzing. When it becomes a chore. Yeah, yeah, it can be difficult to kind of read for pleasure. Yes, it can. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> so was there anything like that you were thinking in your head when we asked you about this podcast that you were like, oh, this would be amazing. Like, I want to kind of highlight that or sell that one. Well, I think what came to mind for, for me when you started talking about this was just the the opportunity that our um, that our students have with lit for that piece of coursework that they do because they can choose their own texts to study, and you know we've had such a range of, of novels in the past that they that they study for that coursework that I think um, it kind of gives them a chance to to read what other people are reading. You know we've had um, the kind of prescribed ones that we offered them were The Handmaid's Tale yeah. and Never Let Me Go and we mentioned A Thousand Splendid Sons and there were lots of students that went on to do those but then even students that weren't reading those for their coursework would, would sometimes pick those up as well because, you know, other, others were talking about them. Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, that, I thought that was kind of a way into like other, like a wider range of literature then. Are there any of those your favorite? Like, oh, the Handmaid's Tale. I yeah. love <laughs> the Handmaid's right. Tale. I, I studied it myself at A level, um, and and I loved it there. And we did it with 1984. Yeah, yeah, that's um, really good. 
But Handmaid's Tale always kind of stuck with me, and I think now with the TV show as well over the last few years, mm. uh, it's kind of opened that up to, yeah. to you know, a wider audience up as well. The profile, I just it? love, like, I love teaching it, I love, I, I just love reading it. Yeah. I mean, it's really graphic and horrible and just, you know, disturbing, but... It's so interesting. Yeah, we do it as... Um, you do it in Langlet, don't you? Yeah, yeah. so we do um, it as part of the exam. I know you do it as coursework. Yeah, but I mean, it's one of the options they can do. Yeah, it's just so wide-ranging, isn't it? And it always I always think with The Hammer's Tale, it feels like it was written in modern day. Like, it doesn't feel like it was written in the 80s. Yeah. It feels like it could have come out yesterday. <laughs> I think, yeah, definitely feeling the, the themes of uh, Handmaid's Tale. Uh, <laughs> yeah, screams yeah, from coming behind my voices of the oppressed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I, I've seen Margaret Atwood talk about it as well at Hay Festival, you know, and how Amazing. she talks about everything that happens in the book is based on something that's happened somewhere in the world at some point in history. And yeah, I just find that yeah. so interesting. Yeah, the context of it yeah. and the inspirations that she's had. It's scary, isn't it? Terrifying. When, when you read it, you think, ooh. Yeah, the world is a deep, dark place. Yeah, and then there's people, you know, dressing up as handmaids for protests yeah. and things in America and stuff like that. So. Yeah, like really yeah, politicalised, yeah. isn't it? Mm. I brought in my... Beth asked us to brought, bring in a book today, and I brought in my Handmaid's Tale book with all my notes from A-level. <laughs> yeah, I've still got mine. <laughs> I love it. It's so, like, nostalgic. It's souvenir. Yeah. 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 Mine still has the name of my school stamped in the front of it, yeah, so I'm sorry mine. to take <laughs> 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 I think that. I might have stolen your book. <laughs> That'll be the yeah. email. But it's it's well used. It's well it. used now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> There's something so kind of comforting about that, isn't there? Because like, I've still got all of my... Um, same thing, like kind of all of my notes on the side of like some of the plays that we did, like um, Twelfth Night was the play that, that we did at A-Level. Um, and like, I don't know, there's something kind of quite comforting going back through it and, and knowing that text so well and then being able to spot those things in other texts. I think that's what's so nice. Like once you've studied te- some texts, at GCSE or at A-Level really, um, and you've delved into them at that sort of level then you do sort of subconsciously start to notice it in other texts that you're just reading for pleasure. And I suppose it's the same when we talk about media and film as well, really, that thing of you can't switch that off once you've opened up that avenue of analysing and exploring something and connecting it to the world around yeah. us. Mm. Like, it, it really does kind of make make reading, in this case, like a much more enjoyable but also like enriching experience, which is really exciting. Yeah. yeah. Handmaid's Tale for me and 1984 was like, that gateway mm. into that and now yeah I can't switch that off any book I read I'm like <laughs> in case any of the um, kids down maybe lower in school don't know what 1984 is do you want to give us a little brief synopsis oh <laughs> um, so it's set in a dystopian world where um, three countries are at war with each other and um Everyone lives in a totalitarian state, so they are controlled by the government who um, dictate everything that they do and they put TVs in their house so that they um, can watch them. They have to do, like, daily hate speech where they get all their anger out for that day so that they can be controlled. Yes, it's scary, isn't it? It's like the feeling that we could very easily fall into that kind of highly scrutinised, controlled world i think and it's just so yeah it's really dark yeah. really really dark 1984 yeah. so if you like that kind of thing then maybe yeah and he like predicted so many things didn't he like cctv and yeah. and um oh, i can't think what else off the top of my head it's another but... one of those that doesn't seem like it's as yeah. old as it is 
you yeah. know? Yeah. It feels definitely. as if it could have been written far more recently. Yeah, yeah. Had yeah. of the time. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And it's from the same writer's Animal Farm, if you're in year eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was just I was going to think that when I was thinking about highbrow text, not eyebrow text, in case you're thinking <laughs> beauty and <laughs> getting your makeup done. No, um, highbrow text. When I thought of that, I thought of um, Heart of Darkness uh, by Joseph Conrad, um, which again, I mean, these are really deep kind of thinking novels aren't they that we're, we're mentioning because once you get to that kind of level of reading you do want to like explore the real um sense of human condition I think and and Heart of Darkness for me I read as a text in university um in my first year um and it it kind of scared me at how uh scared me because of how like sinister and real it felt so similar to like 1984 it's just all about kind of um, imperialism and racism and, the, like, as the title suggests, I guess, like, that we all, as a hu- as humans, have this really dark and nasty kind of side to us. That that's, that's a part of human existence, that we can trample on other people and dehumanise them and... Um, and there was one quote that I always think of when I when I um, when I think of Heart of Darkness that stuck with me. You know, there's just sometimes there's one like line that yeah. you, you you're like, oh, that like that's so good. I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that. I'm gonna keep it. And it was um, this is so bleak. So sorry for <laughs> bringing you all down to the states of depression. But it's um, we we live as we dream alone. And I remember thinking like it's so true that you. You can spend your whole life like in relationships with people and have, being surrounded by friends and family and and actually when it comes down to it, you nobody can imagine what it is to be you and what it is mm. to see the world from your eyes and we can all empathise but really the place is a quite a lonely world at times like and we don't like to talk about it and we kind of stigmatise it and to make it taboo but um, I remember reading that line and thinking wow that's something I really understood in, yeah. in uni I'd come mm. to like get the gravity of so yeah it made me feel like a really grown, a grown up person <laughs> when I read it <laughs> when I read it in my I think it was my first year of uni I think I was a bit too immature to read mm. it and then I did Jane Eyre in my masters which is one of our level texts and we did that as a complimentary text and it just I don't know I feel like it's a book that you kind of have to read twice mm. just to Get, in get all the layers, yeah. like, yeah. Or you just have to be a genius, like I was. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Not at all, by any means. But. <laughs> I think students can sometimes be put off by kind of heavier texts like that. Mm. And, you know, like you said, you might not enjoy it the first time you attempt to read it or something, and then if you go back to it a few months later, it might, I don't know, just kind of click yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or if something happens in your life, or if you, as you're, as you kind of experience new things in your life then texts mean different things to you and you'll read them differently as well and I also think uh, there's kind of maybe it's because of some of the things that we used to do um, as teachers kind of in primary and secondary school kind of pushing students to read like amounts of books Mm. the the idea is is that you want to read through something uh, read through something at kind of like a pace and there's nothing wrong with kind of reading a paragraph and you know you, you imagine people reading like reading these sorts of books and you kind of you read a paragraph and you just kind of stop and you think for a bit mm. like it's that kind of pace of reading because mm. there is so much more to it than just the text itself and it's kind of it's okay to read like that it's okay to read slowly it's okay to also kind of 
read it a bit and digest it yeah Yeah. well that's what we're trying to kind of always get students to do with with literature isn't it is Mm. you know with a-level literature is to really think about what they're reading and the more you're doing that with a wider variety of of texts the more it's going to kind of unlock all the texts on the Mm, course as well and it all kind of Mm. connects and Mm. you see the kind of span of history as well through literature I think that's that's one of the really important things about kind of reading wider texts around I see on like um TikTok and social media and stuff that like quite a lot of readers do actually like make little post-it notes and and make little annotations yeah it's a subculture at the moment isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah buy annotation kits yeah yeah so exciting I think I'm too impassioned (laughs) when I read I just want to kind of yeah, you know, yeah. Really I don't do it, but yeah. it's, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'd be yeah. scared to write on the book. I've always been like that. <laughs> you know, it'd be too shy. I love the idea <laughs> of having a book that's covered in like these annotations and stuff. Yeah. But even even the text I studied, I'd buy like a, a copy for rough that I would write on, and then a copy for best that I would read. That was <laughs> sounds not like a very sunny <laughs> book. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool though. It's like all colour coded and people yeah, have different yeah. like pens and yeah. Yeah, it's like mindfulness almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it is. It's become quite popular, and I don't really know what they're annotating sometimes. But it looks awesome. Yeah. Whatever they're doing, it's up to them, isn't it? So it's like a personal kind of yeah. way of. Yeah. That's quite a, an style. interesting thing. I've never thought of because obviously when we annotate, we we think about the end goal being a qualification or yeah. an essay or something. Yeah. So to annotate just for annotating. Because it's fine. Sick, then, I yeah. need to yeah. use the station. I might break. try it. Yeah. 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 The next book I read, I might try it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you haven't done it yet there. Oh, no, I'm, not. I'm all over my book journaling at the moment. I'm <laughs> taking far too much of my time. <laughs> uh, Do we have any other, anything else that, like, that you were going to um, bring to the table? Anything else that you think of that you think... Or even, um, I mean, it doesn't have to be uh, like a text, like as in a book. It might be... I don't know, any other suggestions that you think students might be able to help themselves? Um, well, I just think um, maybe kind of thinking beyond what, what you might consider kind of like a traditional literary canon as well. Like, you know, there are, all the, there are those books that everyone wants to read. You know, you feel like you have to kind of almost tick them off. Mm. But, you know, it doesn't have to just be those books that someone has decided are part of a canon. It's, you know, reading reading what, what interests you and reading, you know, especially stuff that's quite you know quite new looking at kind of prize lists and things as well and reading you know new fiction and seeing what's out there yeah I love picking out like man booker prizes yeah, and exactly. stuff yeah, and thinking yeah. all that I know this is going to be good because everybody else said it's good <laughs> yeah. so yeah. and they know what they're talking about <laughs> and I think that's such an important kind of message isn't it that like the canon is the canon for a reason yeah so you have to you know you want to respect those books and you want to kind of you, you understand that they're kind of the greats in literature but it's not you know, if you if you're an avid reader and you haven't read all of those, or some of those just aren't something that interests you, mm. then that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're kind of not as good. I feel that there's sometimes there's kind of an elitism associated yeah. with yeah. that list, and actually, yeah. being well read means reading loads of different kinds of books. It doesn't mean that like you know, I don't know the works of Austin and Dickens like off by yeah, heart. Yeah, we need yeah. to sort of mm. diversify that. Yeah, that canon, sure. I guess. I suppose, especially because at the moment, that's what the big conversations are about—the idea of diversifying voices. Because mm. that canon is very white and very male and very kind of nineteenth, twentieth century. Yeah, yeah like it, mm. and and it again, it's kind of it's a really important starting point 
for you to kind of look at but having those diverse voices actually is as valuable if not more valuable in kind of today's society as well yeah we had um we had quite a few students at a level last year doing um a thousand splendid sons for their coursework mm-hmm. and that's a really nice text text to kind of get into looking at other voices and thinking about um you know, the, and linking that to texts like The Kite Runner and other things like that. Tell, us, tell us more about oh, A Thousand Splendid Sons. A Thousand right. Splendid Sons is uh, set in um, Afghanistan, um, sort of before and during the, the Taliban rule. And I think it's just, I mean, I read it a few years ago, and then, you know, now there's, mm. <laughs> there's a whole new lo- load of kind of context to go along with that now. But it's about mm. two, um, two women growing up, two young girls and then um, women growing up, you know, in that, in that society. I haven't read that one. I have read The Kite Runner. See, I haven't and read The Kite Runner yet. absolutely love The Kite Runner, so we'll have to do a swap. <laughs> yeah. <thing. laughs> yeah, it's some of the writing um, that I have read, the extracts, is so beautiful. Like, the descriptions in yeah. there are so rich and kind of feel very, like... I mean, I don't know. I, I You know, being a white woman, I don't know a hell, hell of a lot in, in that world, but it does invite you. It does have this, like, real sense of... Uh, being alive as well in the in the descriptions I've read so yeah yeah, it's good I think um we were talking just before we started recording as well about um the importance of maybe getting out of your comfort zone in terms of like what you see on stage perhaps rather than staying at home and watching Netflix um, and how watching maybe shows and stuff can really uh open up a door into that world of highbrow yeah. literature oh, and theatres are open again now. Oh, yeah exactly. and like we've got such incredible resources haven't we like National Theatre Live is just phenomenal mm-hmm. if you've got Amazon Prime then there's Frankenstein still on there at the moment which is just like it's just mind blowing when you watch it like the performances are incredible and it really um, I feel like it really conveys the the kind of the journey of the of the monster um, when you see it on screen and even like and I know that this is maybe kind of contradicting what I just said about uh, the canon, but seeing seeing Shakespeare is like nothing else you'll ever see on stage. And yeah, like, yeah. truly you have understanding. To see it, not read it. Yeah, you do. Like yeah. I'd say, you know, I like I've, I've seen a lot of Shakespeare, and it's it is always better on stage. And mm. and even things like you know the effects and the staging, it helps you to really understand and contextualize the language. Um, and like the Tempest was incredible on stage. King Henry V's like really famous speech was again really powerful on stage. All of the history is really really powerful on stage. But I for me the comedies like you get the comedy when you see it because it's actually happening <laughs> in front of you and you're not trying to kind of even when you read a joke in kind of modern day English it tends to fall a bit flat. But then when yeah. you see it it's funny and it and visual. yeah and yeah. to be in a modern in a like in a modern uh, theatrical setting and to watch a play that was written in like the 1500s or the 1600s and people are kind of actually sort of belly laughing Crying at also, yeah. these jokes these ridiculous like farcical jokes that have gone on and, and it was written by a guy hundreds of years ago it's, it's so cool it's I, so always, cool. I always think about um, Malvolio and his like stocking yeah, tights which I've seen on stage before yeah. and people were rolling around because yeah. he's just so ridiculous looking in them yeah um and it, in the one that I saw it was in Stratford and Avon he like broke the fourth wall to sort of say all right calm down <laughs> to people because they were yeah. so there was like the hilarity of it was so yeah. good and you're right it's like seeing it 
really brings it to life, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I saw Much Ado About Nothing in London like quite a few years ago with um, with David Tennant and Catherine Tate. Oh wow! Oh, and it was good, hilarious, it? and everyone was was laughing. And it was like you said, you know, the just just being in a theatre full of people laughing at this play that was written, you know, hundreds of years ago is like time travel. Quite yeah. something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's such an incredible experience, and it is so unique as well. And what's so lovely is that Shakespeare can actually be quite affordable. And I think we always associate it with that kind of highbrow culture. But actually, it was written for the everyman. It was actually written and it was a bit kind of edgy and, and people weren't meant to go and see it and it was a bit naughty. And, and when you see it, you kind of see why that mm. was the case. Yeah. And so, like, you know, going and getting a £5 ticket in London or... At the Globe, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or watching it. Yeah, like, you, you get... You kind of feel... Yeah, as it was meant to be watched. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's... I don't know, I feel like that... If you do that, then reading it becomes just so much more joyous because you you understand how those words were meant to be delivered and how those words kind of have been delivered by performers that you've seen. And how they can be interpreted. Exactly. Yeah. 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 This is so different. Seeing the same play yeah. Yeah, you know, multiple, in times. Yeah, multiple times, it just... You're like, oh, it can be done like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it, when you look at, like, I don't know, like... King Lear or Macbeth or Romeo and Juliet in particular and you see um, it being put on in Stratford and every year there's a different like there's a different context and there's a different setting and there's a different time frame Mm. but those lines are still being delivered the same by the same performers but it can be seen so differently because of that change so again it's like it's showing that kind of timelessness which is again really exciting yeah definitely recommend getting to the Globe for those cheap tickets if you can get to London Or even like Royal Academy, um, is it Royal Academy? No, what's the one um, that's in Cardiff? Welsh. Royal Welsh. Royal Welsh? Yeah, the Royal Welsh Academy. Yeah, okay, yeah, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> missing a word, but um, yeah, I remember watching uh, Taming of the Shrew in that, and it was so modern, the take on it. It was like a real, even though you can, it, reading it, you would, you'd be forgiven for thinking it's like really sexist and yeah. Kate kind of gets broken down by the end of it and she's like his thing um and he has tamed her but in this version they showed how abusive like they kind of turned up his head and made it really feminist um we need to do like some sort of buzz buzz in every time i say the word feminist but yeah um it was a real feminist retelling um where she was she was just uh harrowed and uh really upset by and, and just a bacon after mm. everything he'd done to her and how we changed it and it was I, yeah it, it blew my mind it was really good so yeah those interpretations that you maybe never saw when you read it yeah you're like oh, yeah I, I haven't actually seen a Shakespeare yet get out stage. I've seen that like, we went to Stratford on Avon and they didn't have Shakespeare on at the time they had Tamburlaine by Marlowe okay. which was equally amazing but yeah that's, cool. that's when to I said the a little lounge trip on the card <laughs> yeah, yeah next yes. trip I'm first name on the list please <laughs> already signed up yeah. <laughs> like, every man's really good in Cardiff as well isn't it I know it's like yeah. amateur yeah. dramatics but they're, they're really good and it's quite sort of accessible and they do it open air as well which yeah, is really cool. yeah I saw them at Beth a couple of years ago it was yeah really it's really good and the Lord I've seen the Lord Chamberlain's men do stuff well, I think they've been like Cardiff Castle or something, and think they come around sometimes. Mm. Um, and they're obviously all men, so there's a lot of like cross dressing and traditional staging involved yeah. and stuff, which is quite quite fun. 
yeah, we'll, we'll totally have to do it. Be a lit lounge date. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much for coming in, Rach, and taking it's been the a time. Pleasure. And, yeah. uh, and the little babby, yeah. having, having a little say. Anyone who <laughs> yeah. want to shout out to, little babs? okay just doing a smile out then yeah Yeah, thank you for inspiring us rach obviously um uh it's options this uh this week for a level but even if you're kind of in your seven your eight or even younger and um you know you're thinking that that literature is something you really enjoy you really love kind of picking apart a text or a text really stays with you once you've read it and you just kind of you love yeah and you love diving into kind of the world of books then um you know take one of these recommendations remember to always check trigger warnings and mature themes before you do so uh and yeah have a go and tell us what you think about it and the same for adults too. If you're listening and you're an adult, then pick up a book. Why not? Give it a go. Don't be put off by uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something. yeah, and then come have a conversation with us. Mm. Yeah, yes. send us a voice note. We still haven't had a voice note yet. Yes, I'm dying to hear what people have got to say. <laughs> Rose is literally she just sits and waits. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have so no life for them. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for being with us, Rach. And uh, we'll see you very soon. Yay! listening to the lit lounge the podcast for readers and book lovers thanks for joining us remember to join in the conversation by following us on social media using the handles linked in our description you can also leave a voice note to be featured in future episodes through the voice response feature on anchor we'll catch you next time but for now keep reading The music used in this episode and for all of our episodes is created by Ixon. You can download this and other fantastic tracks on SoundCloud. Links are in the description. Mm-hmm.